Welcome to 501 Crossroads, your show all about nonprofits and the people that make the mission happen. I'm Marjorie Moore, President and CEO of Mind's Eye, and my personal mission is to make nonprofits stronger by identifying and fixing the rubs that so often come up between people and the mission. My fabulous co-host, the nonprofit ninja, Natalie Jablonski, is here. That's right. Specializing in helping nonprofits maximize their time, talent, and resources to achieve organizational greatness. Well, hi, Marjorie. Hey, Natalie. How you doing? I'm doing well. You know, I have heard this saying so many times, reach for the moon. If you fall short, you'll still be among the stars. Have you heard that? I've heard that one in the Girl Scouts, I believe. Well, there you go. Well, (laughs) I know when it comes to education for nonprofit leaders, it can sometimes be hard to determine where the moon is, how far away it is, and based on my ideal career path, even if I want to make that type of reach. It's crazy. It is crazy. But, you know, uh, we have somebody here today, Cindy Manjonas, who's a star in her own right. Yes. She's here with us from Lindenwood University, and she's going to help us get on the right track for nonprofit educational success. So hi, Cindy. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Good. A little hot, but it's okay. Yeah, it's (laughs) summer in St. Louis, right? definitely. (laughs) So why don't you begin by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I actually started out, well, my undergrad is in communications. I went from that. I, as soon as I was telling um, Mike earlier, when I got my undergrad in communications, I didn't want to quit the job I already had in healthcare and go to working midnights and half the salary I was making. So I ended up in healthcare by default, got a master of science in healthcare administration. I got my first doctorate in education in 2010, and I just finished my second doctorate in 2016, which is a PhD in philosophy with the emphasis in public policy. I'm currently a dean at Lindawood University in Belleville. Awesome. So Natalie, we have somebody who's very, very smart here. So actually, <laughs> I feel like we should call her Dr. Cindy, or actually mm-hmm. you have two, you have two, doctor, two, doctor, doctor, two Dr. Cindy. Is yes. that, mm-hmm. can yes. we just, for the sake of our audiences, you maybe just use one doctor? Sure. Awesome. That would be great. <laughs> right. I can, I could grant you one if you'd like. Oh, yeah. I will take it. And run with that. Would you like you. one too? Marjorie? I would also like okay. one. Oh, we're all sound so studious today. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, one of the reasons I was really excited when we talked to Marjorie about having Dr. Cindy join us today was because I hear a lot of nonprofit leaders talking about wanting to get more education or wanting to go back to school or needing to go back to school because they're hitting a requirement. And I just think that the timeliness of this is so perfect because we're approaching the point where it's getting near back to school season and Mm -hmm. people are thinking about things like that. I guess the piece that I always wonder is, you know, nonprofits uh, usually equates to not financing, right? We yeah, no we're, money. We're, we're low, right? Mm-hmm. And I always worry that they think that they're investing their their time is one thing, but investing their money that makes them nervous because mm-hmm. they want to see we're used to it. What are the outcomes? Yep. What are the what are the objectives? <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? We've wrote so many grants, so I just think people need to understand first off the value of formal education because it's not just lost on the young, you know, mm-hmm. the, it's for everyone, right, Dr. Cindy? Mm-hmm. That's very true. And education comes at a cost. You have a cost of time. You have to invest your time. You have a cost of money. You have to invest your money. But it's more important in nonprofits than it's ever been before because we have to be such good stewards of our money because we have limited resources. It would be great to have a nonprofit if you had unlimited resources, but I haven't found one of those yet. If you do, let me know. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, me too, because that sounds like a dream. Boards out there, we would like those. Yes, yes. Yeah, board goals. That sounds great, right? Well, and education is all about about not just the here and now, but also planning for the future. Mm-hmm. And most people, it's, as far as education is concerned, the higher up you go with levels of education, the lower the unemployment rate, the um, greater the job security, and the more solidity you have in your own position in your own job. Ideally, that could facilitate more 
um, volunteering for nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Ideally, if you have a more solid financial future, there might be more monetary rewards in the future as well. Over the course of a lifetime, an average person with a master's degree can earn about 61% or a little bit more than twice as much as someone with just a high school education. Wow. I see the dollar signs adding up right now. I sure <laughs> do as well. That's a That's awesome. Well, and you know, you think about the idea that it's not only future earning power, but I always wonder when people are talking about going back to school and, and getting education, they're like, where do I fit it in? Like you talked about mm-hmm. the time and what do you, what do you say to people like that when they're talking about something like that? Well, do you spend a half an hour watching TV? Oh, well, do you spend two yeah. hours watching TV? Mm-hmm. Do you spend uh, time on your computer? I mean, mm-hmm. there are all sorts of avenues for education today. You can get an online degree. You can get one in person, attending class in the evening. There are a lot of different things that you can do. If you really are motivated and you really want to do it, you will find a way to make it work. It just has to be the right time. It's not always the right time. You know, there may be life challenges with with children, with family, with other things. It's also not always the right time for someone to go straight into college right out of high school. Right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they have to do a few other things. My nephew went straight into the Marine Corpps. That was absolutely the best thing for and him. And thank him for his service. I will. I will. I will. These sound like a lot of these same sort of things that you'll hear a physical trainer tell you. Yes. You know, it's got to be the right time. You're going to have to find time for it, but there's time for it. And you have to be willing to do it. It's like mm-hmm. you can't help someone who doesn't want to help themselves. Yeah. Same, I think, is with this. No matter how many times you you know say to them, you need to go back to school, you need to go back to school mm-hmm. until they're ready to make that step and they are committed true. that it's probably just going to fall in deaf ears. Well, and it's all about being a good steward, not just only financially, but being a good steward of your time. And basically what that means, a good steward, and I wrote this definition down so I don't get it wrong, is one who sets goals and plans in advance and takes measures to make sure things unfold in the right manner. Mm-hmm. That just is, it's kind of, I think of it as contingency planning. Mm-hmm. You you want to make the best, most well-laid plans that you can. With nonprofits, especially if you don't plan for your future, you're probably not going to exist very long. Mm-hmm. You have to, with the budget crisis we have in the state of Illinois and a lot of other things going on, you really have to be a good steward and use these finite resources you have to be able to meet your company's goals, whatever right. they might be. Um same thing with your personal life. You, we all have many minutes we we waste a day. Sure. Minutes, How many times hours, have we gotten through whatever. a weekend and said, "What happened to my weekend?" Exactly. You know? Or gotten exactly. through the week and realized you didn't listen to Five Hundred One Crossroads. Oh, that! Stop it. <laughs> that people never don't happens. do that. that never hear. <laughs> We're taking your doctor away if you talk crazy talk like that. But well, basically, too, another thing is having a purpose in life is a fundamental way to increase your happiness. Agreed. And we all want to be happier. We all want to have a purpose. And having something to focus on has a lot of benefits as well, too, whether it's education or volunteering or whatever it might be. That focus on that education will help you with aging cognitively. It will keep you more aware and more involved in everything as well, too. So that will help you age better. Education will help you actually age better. Look at that. I like that. I'd like to get some education (laughs) and rub it on my face three times a week. (laughs) I don't think that's quite what you mean, but I like the idea, right? It's it's in that direction. It's in that direction. (laughs) The brain stays good. That's right. It's keeping that brain fresh, right? Absolutely. So I know a lot of us, um, you know, we've we've gone and, you know, I'm going to get that master's. I'm going to get that Mm -hmm. next degree. I'm going to finish it up. You know, and some people wait until maybe their late 30s, their 40s, their 50s, maybe even their 60s. 
What do you think about teaching old dogs new tricks? Can we can we leave and learn after the age, after our 20s? I would say absolutely. The very first class I taught, my oldest student was 74 years old. Oh my wow. gosh. <laughs> um that's probably the oldest student that I had. He was getting his I don't I think it was his third master's. He already wow. had his PhD. <laughs> he was the head of our psychology department. I'm a brand new instructor. I look out my class and I see this white haired gentleman sitting there with a big <laughs> smile on his face and I'm thinking, what can I possibly teach him? And it ended up being one of the greatest classes I'd ever had because he had all that valuable real life experience that everyone could build on and everyone could learn from. And that's what we try to do with education is facilitate a lot of interaction and not with adult students, it's a little different than it is with your teenagers. You can build on that life experience and take it from there. We might understand how a lot of things work, but we might not necessarily understand the theoretical application behind those. Why do people act like they do? Why do they say things the way they do? If I do this, why does this happen? Um, you know, people need to understand finances better, mm -hmm. finance, accounting, you know, the monetary mm -hmm. aspects. So there are a lot of different applications. People come and get an education sometimes for personal fulfillment. It's not unusual to have somebody in my office who's put kids and even grandkids through school that's now said, hey, it's my time. <laughs> yeah. I'm doing this for me. And they're doing it for no reason other than it's just always been a personal goal that they've had. It's interesting. My daughter is uh, home from college and she'll be returning back here very soon. And one of the things she recently said, we were talking about a particular subject and she goes, you know, I took a class on that and I know I saw it in the textbook, but I'm really not sure how to apply it now to real life when it comes to yeah. this particular issue, which brings me kind of back to the idea of having those adult learners uh, that are a little more experienced. I know when I went through my master's, mm -hmm. I had a cornucopia of ages in my classroom. I was probably the youngest person. Uh, I was in my early 20s going through a master's degree and I felt like a 12 year old compared to some of these great mm -hmm. adult learners. And at first I kept thinking like, why are they in here? But what I found was we were taking textbook information. They had actually applied this and now we're understanding it kind of the cart before the horse, but they were putting it together, right? Mm -hmm. And they were putting it together for me. It was a great benefit as a young reader, a young learner going through mm -hmm. to learn from their experience combined with that textbook knowledge. It was fascinating. And that's one of the best dynamics you could have. And the interesting thing about these classes, especially the evening classes at whatever institution you might be attending it's that mixture of people, that mixture of life experience, that mixture of education and building upon those things to make it even better and even greater enhance your future and your possible, I mean, you're learning, your earning power, your learning power is great, but your earning power too, the more that that's enhanced, um, that can increase job satisfaction, it can increase life satisfaction. And then you might get to the point where you can make a greater contribution to society, whether it's monetarily or volunteering or whatever it might be. It really has additional education has a ripple down effect that I don't think we fully understand yet. What do you think are the biggest inspirations for people to go back to learning I've, formally? Well, I've seen a variety of things. Um, it's not uncommon. We have a lot of first-generation college students, which means they're the first person ever to go in their family to go to college. That's big pressure on these young people yeah. because everybody's looking for them to succeed. But what I've seen happen a lot of times with that is they might come to school, go to school, and then mom's in school and Uncle Bob's in school, and then dad's in school. And it's not uncommon to see fathers graduate with sons and mothers with daughters mm -hmm. and husbands with wives. And that that's one of the best parts of my job when we see things like that, because you see family getting into the educational experience. 
And it's, it's hard. I mean, it's a time investment. It's a monetary investment. And, you know, it's a challenge. It's just you have to figure out the right time in your life to make it work for you. And there's so many great financial options out mm-hmm. there now to help you mm-hmm. bridge that gap, right? And there are not as many employers, but several still have tuition reimbursement that mm-hmm. they will help you and they'll invest mm-hmm. in your future. So I would encourage anyone to take advantage of that. If and if they they're not sure, well. probably visiting their HR office will give them sure. that insight. Absolutely. And then um, many institutions offer discounts on tuition for working in healthcare or working for a nonprofit or working, you know, at a particular employer or something like that. My philosophy with that is where there's a will, there's a way. Um, Some institutions also offer student worker positions where you can work so many hours a week to defray part of the cost of your tuition. So there are a variety of options out there. And then you can, um, there's always the you know, taking loans and and debt option as well, too, which isn't ideal, but sometimes necessary. Right. So don't let that step stand in your way. Absolutely not. Well, one of the things that I think is interesting with the dynamics we were talking before about if you have a computer or you have a television, the time you spend, I Mm -hmm. would, would be scared to actually try to tally that up myself. But it brings up a great point because traditional learning was always in the classroom. You mentioned mm-hmm. your classroom experience, Dr. Cindy. I had mentioned, you know, when I was in the classroom and now there's a huge trend of the online classes mm-hmm. and taking that. And I just talked to uh, someone in the office who said it takes so much discipline and really a lot of focus. Yeah, and, you know, what, what should you expect if you decide that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go online and, and do my classes online. Like what should you brace yourself and prepare yourself for? Because it's a bit of a culture, right? That you it have is. to prep yourself for. It is something to really be cognizant of what school you choose, because there are some unscrupulous schools out there and um, that want to take your money and, mm-hmm. and not necessarily give you a whole lot in return. So really do your research on the institution. If you go the online education route, you have to be pretty self-disciplined. My second doctorate was entirely online. And before I did that, I had never had an online class. So it was a culture shock wow. for me. But one thing I was pleasantly surprised with is how interactive it was. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of discussion boards. There's a lot of video presentation and posting and things like that. A lot of times you will have periodic um in-person meetings with fellow classmates and with instructors and things like that too. So online education can be more interactive than you would think it would be. Yes, there is a lot of time sitting at your computer, but there's a lot of interaction that goes on within that too. And because of my online PhD, I met people literally from all over the world. Wow. So So what are some good ways to uh, kind of screen out some of those unscrupulous schools for either online education or offline education? Um, Look at their look at their accreditation. Make sure they're accredited. Um, Typically, they'll be accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Um, Sometimes business schools have additional accreditations, AACSB or ACBSP. And I could rattle off about 12 (laughs) other acronyms um, that wouldn't make a whole lot of sense unless you were involved in that area. Mm -hmm. But look at their accreditations. Look at if they have any any sanctions or any questions, even the for-profit institutions Mm -hmm. may sometimes have better business bureau complaints and, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that. So there are a variety of things to look at, look at their graduation rates and Mm -hmm. look at their persistence and degree completion rates. All of that information is usually public on their website. And then as far as online degrees, do, do you see that they're holding kind of the same weight in the job market as a traditional degree? They are starting to, okay. as long as they're from reputable institutions. Mm-hmm. There have been a lot of online institutions that have gone out of business mm-hmm. for a multitude of reasons. They've either lost accreditation and when they lose accreditation, 
they lose federal funding. Mm. And so that's that's a problem as well, too. But you really do your homework if you're looking at an online um, online degree. And a lot of the ground, um, the brick and mortar institutions are starting to offer online degrees now, mm-hmm. too. Um, the one that I work at, Lindenwood, offers online degrees. There are several others that offer online degrees from these bricks and mortar institutions. And sometimes those institutions are a really good alternative as well, too, because then at least if you have a question or an issue, many times you can actually go to that institution physically if you need to a little bit more easily. Nice. So if you decide to go the online route, do you have mm-hmm. to have your own computer? Does the school provide you a, a PC? Depends on the school. Okay. Um, and if they provide you a laptop or an iPad or something like that, that usually will be clearly stated as you're applying and as you're going through everything. A lot of times if they do provide those, it's a very basic model mm-hmm. and it will probably get you through the education, but that will be about it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of institutions offer discount software and discount purchase plans for mm-hmm. computers. And then many institutions have computer labs like we do that are open all hours of the day and night that you can come in and use. Or I've seen even known people who've gone to the public library to use computers at the public library as well. And as someone who's experienced with going through an online program, what are some other tips that you would give people who are maybe approaching the online educational world as far as setting themselves up for success in a home-based environment? Dedicate time every day. Okay. Um, Dedicate a spot in your home that you know when you go into that area, that's what you're going into that area to do, that you're going into that area to do your schoolwork. When I wrote my dissertations, that's what got me through that. I knew as soon as I sat down at that desk, I took out that computer and I took out those books. That's what I was there to do. And it's more of a mental thing. It's like, you know, keeping yourself organized when you go to work. How do you do that? You do the school is kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Same principle. Yeah, I have, we, we've identified in the show, I have a bit of a shiny thing syndrome problem. <laughs> so I can see me trying to do this in my living room and going, Oh, oh, Ellen's on or, oh, you know, I have to do the laundry or, oh, you know, just, just bouncing around. I would have a hard time, I think, really getting that dedication. Now, classroom, Mm -hmm. no problem. I'm there. Mm -hmm. I'm putting that, I'm in that environment, right? It's a forced Mm -hmm. environment. 100% 100% focused. Absolutely. <laughs> and I, don't, I I wouldn't be distracted by my phone or by anything else, mm-hmm. but I think you just have to know what works best for you. Well, and you have to find, like I said, you find a way to make it work for you. If you're at home and you find yourself being distracted, sometimes the best thing you can do is get up and walk away for 10 minutes and do something and then come back and refocus again. So, and that can be really beneficial to you, especially if you have writer's block like I do on occasion. <laughs> <laughs> Happens to the best of us. Yes, ma'am. It so does. one of the things that I hate, I would say either, you know, online or, or, or in like a classroom setting that I, um, it, it just makes my skin crawl and makes me angry and sad. Is <laughs> is the group project? I do. That's what you were gonna say. <laughs> Which is weird because I do group projects all day, every day. Yeah. It is my life, but I oh. have such a struggle. You know, I, I can get to the class. I can make that time mm-hmm. for that. But those other things outside of class and the trying to get everybody's schedules together and trying to figure out everybody's expertise in a group I'm not terribly familiar with that I didn't hire um, (laughs) (laughs) is really difficult. What are some tips on getting getting through that? And just so I, you know, if I ever want to get this degree, like I'm going to have to deal with it. (laughs) Well, communication is the key. Communication with your instructor and your group members. And if the group members aren't being responsive, Mm -hmm. 
stepping up and telling your instructor, hey, Natalie, I've called her four times and Mm -hmm. she's just not showing up to our group meetings and she's not doing what she should be doing. Mm -hmm. Sorry. You know, (laughs) what I always tell my students is first, you need to go to that person and approach that person. Mm -hmm. This is no different than work. If you're going to be a supervisor at work one day or if you are now and you have an employee that's that's misbehaving or not doing what they're supposed to do, you first go to that employee and you talk to that employee. Mm -hmm. If that doesn't work, then you you know, it's, it's a communication thing. It's an organization thing. And it's easier now than it was even 10 years ago because almost everybody has a cell phone, has a computer, has two or three emails, you know, so there's usually easier ways to keep in touch, Mm -hmm. you know, even if it's social networking or whatever it might be, there are easier ways to keep in touch now than there used to be. You've got Facebook, you've got Twitter, you've got Instagram, you've got whatever the other 12 things are (laughs) that I'm forgetting about that I'm sure my students could tell me all about. (laughs) Um, But there are a lot of ways to communicate and that's good as well too. And being clear with expectations and getting together and setting goals as a group, it's no different than, you know, like I said, at work, Mm -hmm. making sure everybody knows their responsibility responsibilities, what they need to do and when they need to do it. I have the opportunity in my role, and I know Marjorie, you do as well as hiring and interviewing Mm -hmm. and having that as a primary. I can't tell you how many times when I ask either the question of tell me about a time where you had to deal with a difficult person or Mm -hmm. tell me about a time where you had a relationship that you just weren't able to connect with. And I always say, you know, how did it go? What did you, you know, what did it go through? And did you learn anything from it or would you do anything different? I would say 75% and I'm being probably uh, a little low on that. <laughs> at least 75% of the answers are always about a group project that they had in school mm-hmm. and uh, somebody that they couldn't communicate with or they just had two different trains of thought or uh, they approached direct and it didn't work out well. And uh, it's always fascinating for me to hear these stories and they think, and I, then I hear people say, I don't like to group projects. I don't want to do them. And I'm like, yes, but they're teeing you up because you're going to have that in real life. Right. And yeah. uh, it's, it just shows how you, how great you are at navigating relationships mm-hmm. is what's well, great about group projects. Exactly why instructors as an instructor, I don't let you pick your own groups. I purposely so put mean. you in groups so mean. <laughs> or I put every name in a hat. And so you've got just as much chance to draw Marjorie as you have to draw Natalie, you know, so it's team you, Natalie vote for me. <laughs> oh, that's probably the team you want to be on. <laughs> well, you don't. And, and that's for a deliberate reason. Everybody wants to be in a group with their friends and you know who you work well with. But part of exactly what you said, Natalie, you've got to learn how to work with all kinds of people right. and some you're going to like and some you're not going to like and some you're going to think I can't wait until this meeting is mm-hmm. over and I can get this ice pick out of my eye. Um, you know, it can That's why be, we don't give Marjorie sharp yeah. objects right there. Yeah. It can be painful, but it's, it's all about learning that dynamic and learning how to work with people of all personalities and all types. And college campuses are a great example. Where else can you find so many people of so many different cultures, socioeconomic status, and everything all mushed together in one finite little community trying to figure out how to get this done? Yeah, it's definitely pretty, definitely pretty cool. Yeah. I'm still not totally sold on the group project, but I don't hate it as much. <laughs> That's a, we'll, we'll get you there. We'll get you there. They'll, they'll have a self-help group later yes. for those who don't like well, it, right? group projects can have a true benefit too. One of our um, graduate marketing instructors, what he's done for years with his group projects is he has them basically do a fundraising project. And over the course Ooh. of the past several years, they've raised thousands of dollars for that's local fantastic. nonprofits. Well, look well, see, at that's that. A, that's a I could do that. Hey, <laughs> so for our, our, uh, our great nonprofit staff, you hear that, you should be connected with your local schools <laughs> if they have something like that, right? So I always hear this too, and we've kind of addressed it a little bit, but I want to deep dive a little bit more because I hear the, I would go back to school, but 
dot, dot, dot. We've addressed several of those, but I always hear time. Mm-hmm. I always hear time. We've talked about the timing. It's got to be right for you. It's mm-hmm. got to be a good fit and everything. But how do how do we empower ourselves to stop the negative talk? Because I, it's one thing if you legitimately, it's not the good time mm-hmm. in your life to do it. But I think we tend to talk ourselves out of it. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of like when we say, I can justify that particular piece of cheesecake because I've had a rough day. And then you do that five days in a row. It's not healthy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the negative talk just it doesn't add up to be healthiness. So we're trying to figure out how do we how do we get rid of that? How do we stop that negative talk and really get down to what the issues are and what scares us about going back to school? Well, there are a few different things you can do. What The first thing you have to do is watch how you talk to yourself. And if you find yourself experiencing negative self-talk, one thing I try to do every morning is you start out with positive affirmations. I am. I am strong. I am beautiful. I I am positive, I am whatever, because putting I am in there, that makes it powerful and that makes it important to you. And remember that negative thoughts are just thoughts. They come and they go and, you know, look at it as just in my mother used to say in one ear and out the other. It's okay to have negative thoughts. Just don't let them dwell in you and don't let them live in you. You can get past them. Sometimes it's a challenge though, and sometimes it will take a little bit longer than others. But the key thing is to think about who you are hanging out with, who you are spending your time with, how you are talking to yourself and what you are feeding yourself, you know, what what you're reading, what you're watching, what you're doing and thinking about what you're saying. One of the best things you can do to kind of force attention in that area is um, and English instructors have done this for years, journaling, mm-hmm. you know, journal your thoughts. And maybe if you're having trouble making that decision to go back to school, do something as simple as a little T-chart, positives on one side, negatives on the other side, mm-hmm. and see what you can figure out as a result of that. Yeah, I think it's always great to have a champion uh, yeah. in life, you know, in general. But you, I always say you have many champions. You have right. many, like someone who's a mini champion as I'm having a parenting issue and I need you to talk me, you know, off the ledge. I am have mm-hmm. a mini champion in education. I have a mini champion at work and someone that you know you can always go to for those things that... And when I say champion, they're not going to say, it's okay, Dr. Cindy, you can do it. Right. I'm saying they're going to listen. They're going to do reflective feedback. They're going to not tell you what you want to hear, but what they heard you say and mm-hmm. what they feel like based on that, you know, some of their interpretation. And they're going to be real. And when you have that kind of trust, if you have a relationship like that, that can help you, it can be very effective. Absolutely. So one of the things that I hear a lot when I'm encouraging people to go back to school is, you know, I don't don't need a piece of paper to prove that I'm smart or, you know, like anything that I need to learn, I can Google it. Or does that, do we, does it really matter if you've got that formal education versus life experience plus Google? Absolutely. For a multitude of reasons. If you go out and you look for a job these days, it used Mm -hmm. to be that a bachelor's degree was enough. Mm -hmm. Anymore, most positions or a lot of positions you go out there and look at, they will say bachelor's degree required, master's preferred. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that means right away, whether you've got 20, 30 years of experience or not, you're behind the eight ball Mm -hmm. because they're not even going to look potentially at you because you don't have that degree because they see that degree as you making an investment in bettering yourself. Mm -hmm. I know people, for example, in the IT industry, one individual, he had lost his job due to downsizing after 20 some years at a company. He only had an associate's degree. He had to do contract work for about two or three years before he was able to get a job because he couldn't get a full-time job because he didn't have even a bachelor's degree. He had every certification known to God and man, but he didn't have that important piece of paper. So it's, it's got, that's a tangible value. The intangible value is more of a sense of accomplishment Mm -hmm. and personal fulfillment. Do you need it to make your life worthwhile? 
Probably not. Mm -hmm. But is it something that you can look at and think, yeah, I did that. Everybody needs those kind of experiences in their life, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think it's it's very important in in that respect. And I've spent the past, I spent two, ah, well, if you count kindergarten through 12, which I shouldn't count, but I've spent 15 (laughs) years in school. In, in higher education. <laughs> and it's a lot of years. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of money, but I don't regret a single bit of it. Mm-hmm. And well, something that no one can take away from exactly. you. I think mm-hmm. that's what's always so powerful about mm-hmm. education mm-hmm. as well. No matter what happens, if you lose your job or if you your relationship fails or mm-hmm. if you lose a loved one, at the end of the day, that's something that you will always have. And you can be very proud of that. And I remember the first time when my dad finished high school, my mom wasn't able to finish high school. The first time my dad introduced me as his daughter, the doctor was one of the happiest, proudest <laughs> times in my life. Now he's even, a doctor, doctor, right? Even though, well, even though um, one of his, uh, well, several of his little old friends would start to proceed to tell me their ailments. And I had to say, no, not, <laughs> not that, that kind, kind of doctor. doctor. But, um, you know, it was one of the proudest moments of my life. And my dad passed away back in February. So, you know, it was it was something that was truly meaningful to me. And they felt, you know, they they felt a true sense of pride, too, um, in that. And I was I was happy to make them proud of me. I mean, it's 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 hard to explain. Mm hmm. I know that Dr. Cindy and I've had a chance to hang out socially as well. And I always say, oh, this is Dr. Cindy. Like, I feel like I, <laughs> and I, I refer to her as that. And even though I know I could call you Cindy, even yeah. just saying it without mm-hmm. putting the doctor in front of it, it's like, you've earned that. Like, yeah. I'm really I want to talk You were a doctor doctor, right? Yeah. So Dr. Squared, Cindy. And <laughs> well, I just think and it's, it's so great. Well, and it's something that, you know, it's a personal sense of accomplishment, you right. know. And I remember you were um, at Lindenwood with me and the, uh, who was it? The guy who's over the food service said, yes. um Oh, you're the CEO. Yeah. Because he saw her name tag. And, oh, yeah, I guess I am. That's right. <laughs> you, kind of, you kind of forget, right? <laughs> but, you know, that's when you know you're doing the right thing and, mm-hmm. and you know you're in the right place and not, not to be hung up on those titles or those kind of things like that. Yes, they're great to have, but that's not what's most important. What's that's most right. important is sometimes because of those titles and those degrees, how many people you can help. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what I try to look at. Awesome. So I think as we wrap up, like let's talk about maybe some of the valuable lessons that we learned in our education, maybe some things that we stuck with you during the educational journey. Natalie, you want to give it a go? Yeah. Um, I'm thinking back to before I chose to to move forward and get my master's, I I said something to my husband uh, and uh, I don't know why I said it out loud, but he said, you know, we should go back and get our master's. And I'm like, oh no, I'm never having to go through that again. I'll ne- <laughs> never, I'm never going back to school. I got my bachelor's. I'm good. I'm done. End of story, period. You know? Uh, and then what I found was I was at work and I wanted to take it to the next level. And I asked my vice president, so what do I need to do? What type of tools do I need to get in my tool belt to take it to the next level? What kind of experience do I need? And she's like, you need your master's. And I went, oh, there it is. Okay. (laughs) So um, admitting it out loud is one thing, but I even went as far as the St. Louis Business Journal was asking for uh, information on people who said never say never, like, and realize that later lessons that they learned. And I submitted it and ended up getting a cover feature at the St. Louis Business Journal (laughs) uh, with a photo of never say never because here I am going back to school. And uh, although uh, I was kicking and screaming through the the first classroom experience just because, you know, I didn't want to be there and I didn't need to be there. And then right there was like, oh, I'm so glad. And like weeks later, I ended up Mm -hmm. a promotion opened up at work and I was eligible Mm -hmm. and I got it. And if I wouldn't have went through that and I wouldn't have had that vice president to help me out, and the support, of course, of my husband and my kids, yeah. I don't think I ever would have probably continued it. You had to have that champion. So that's one mm-hmm. of the reasons I pointed that out. 
So is Dr. Natalie on the uh, horizon? You know, my husband has teased that several times, (laughs) so I have learned never to say never. Uh, I love uh, working in a nonprofit and serving the community. I think there might be a time and place where maybe I might, you know, explore that. But right now, my goal as a first-generation college student is to make my kids a second-generation college student. And uh, this time next year, I will, knock on wood, have a uh, college graduate and one going in. So. Uh, my focus right now is to make sure that they are lined up for success. And I'm sorry, I should have said Dr. Ninja. That's right. Yes, yeah, thank, thank you. <laughs> Dr. Nonprofit Ninja here. Hello. There you go. How about you, Marjorie? You know, so a lot of mine, the, the lessons that I learned in college didn't hit me until later. So I uh, actually went through college as a broadcasting major and you know, so, so, so most of my projects were actually group mm. projects. I don't know why I complain about them so much, but, <laughs> um, but you know, so there, you know, you had to do your pre-production, you had to do your writing, you had to do all that, you know, that pre-work you had to do your, um, you know, then you had the actual production and then you did your editing. And so there was always that flow and it didn't hit me for years that how much that was like fundraising and how much that was like, especially putting on special events. And so even though I didn't end up going exactly in the direction that my degree probably should have taken me, um, I think that the, one of the, the most important things about school is that, you know, you're not necessarily just cramming things into your head mm-hmm. and just, you know, learning facts and figures and things like that. You're learning how to think a lot of times mm-hmm. and how to work through projects. And, and that was the thing that really stuck with me that, you know, I'm always surprised when I'm like, Oh yeah, like, this kind of correlates to that thing that I learned so long ago. Mm-hmm. It's like a hangover. It hits you a couple of days later, a couple hours later, though. right? And you never know when it's going to happen. Yeah, That's you true. really don't. So, you really don't. So, Cindy, 15 years in school, what, what do you got? What's your big ahas? <laughs> well, um, hard work does pay off. Mm-hmm. And some of the most gratifying times in my life have been when I've had students come to me at graduation, after graduation, years after graduation saying, you have no idea how you changed my life. And I think, what did I do? (laughs) You know, I told you you could succeed. I encouraged you. I gave you the tools you needed. You know, that's all that all that I did, but that was all that they needed. And a lot of times all people need is someone to tell them that they can be successful Mm -hmm. and that they can do this. And I had plenty of people supporting me over the years. So now is my time to you know, help support other people as well and encourage them as well to literally, and I hate to use a trite phrase, but be all they can be, Um, you know, and um, it's just don't ever give up and you're never too old. And I haven't ruled out the possibility of another degree. (laughs) We've got two doctorates. You need two masters. There you go. go. That's actually what it would be. A master of fine arts, a creative writing is what I'm thinking about. So. Well, if you are ready to put your own story together and you want to know more information about how to get a hold of Dr. Cindy or learn more about Lindenwood Belleville, how can they get a hold of you? How can they connect with you? Um, Email is great. It's cmanjonas, M-A-N-J-O-U-N-E-S at lindenwood.edu. And my phone number is 618-239-6029. We have some great evening programs, small class sizes, really easy um, application process online with our website. But if you have specific questions about specific programs, I would be happy to answer those as well. You already have a champion lined up, ready to cheer you Absolutely. on, Dr. Mm-hmm. Cindy, right? I'm so glad you came. Thank you so Thank much you. for visiting with us and Thank you for having visiting me. with our audience. I hope they got just as much out of it as Marjorie and I did. Definitely. Thank you.
And thank you to all of you for joining us on 501 Crossroads. 501 Crossroads is recorded at the studios of Mind's Eye Radio and is produced and hosted by me, Marjorie Moore. And me, Natalie Jablonski. Mike Curtis is our sound engineer. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher or your favorite app and subscribe and leave us some feedback so others can find us. You can find us on Facebook at 501 Crossroads. Thank you for listening. And remember, we're all working towards the same outcomes.